MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 30th, 2021. Today, Biden's first speech to a joint session of Congress gets high praise. Andre Artemenko confirms to Politico that he spoke to the FBI about Rudy Giuliani. A state appellate court dismisses the former guy's opposition to being deposed in the case filed by protesters who claim his bodyguard assaulted them. The Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee has advanced Biden's picks for the Postal Board of Governors. There's a new bipartisan push to change the way the military handles sexual assault cases. The Supreme Court sides with with an undocumented immigrant fighting deportation. The men who murdered Ahmad Arbery have been charged with federal hate crimes, and the Department of Justice plans to file hate crime charges against Chauvin and the other three ex-officers who murdered George Floyd. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. It's Friday. That means we're going to do the good news with Amy Carrero in a little bit. So you're going to want to stick around for that. I also uh, want to thank everyone who is a patron and who donated one-year subscriptions of the premium feed to people who can't swing it right now. You know our, our happy hour is tonight at 4 p.m. Pacific on Friday, and every Friday it's for patrons. And uh, it's just 36 bucks to sponsor somebody who can't afford the premium feed. And if you're in the premium feed, you get all these episodes ad-free. You get them the night before they come out to the public. You get access to our, our Friday Zoom calls and a bunch of other bonus content, too. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a good time, and it's not that expensive. And if you want to sign up to be a recipient of one of these donated one-year memberships, you can do that, all of it. You can donate and be a recipient, sign up to be a recipient, all over at dailybeanspod.com. And just scroll down to the bottom of the page. You'll see it right there. Big old button. Uh, it's Friday. We have a lot of news to get to. That's always how Fridays go. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So last night, Joe Biden gave his first address to a joint session of Congress. And according to several polls, he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Uh, I don't know how many of you saw our live coverage. Me and Zev Shalev did uh, did live coverage and, and commentary afterwards. And Lincoln, we were joined by Lincoln's Bible. And we, we talked about Rudy for a little bit after that. You can see that still. I think it's up on his uh, narrative TV um, feed on Twitter and uh, it was uh, just a great speech. But according to a CBS News poll of speech watchers, 85% who watched the speech approved of it, while only 15% disapproved. And the CNN speech watchers poll uh, showed 86% approved of his COVID policy, 74% agree with him on racial injustice, 72% agree with him on the economy, 70% agree on gun laws and taxes, and 65% gave him high marks on his immigration policy. Uh, the speech was just about an hour long. He covered his three major pieces of legislation to build back better, including the American Rescue Plan, which has already been signed into law, and then the two-part infrastructure plan. Remember how I told you he was going to split this up into two parts? He did, and he's calling them the American Jobs Plan and the American Families Plan. He also laid out how he's going to pay for all of it and called on Republicans to pass these bills, though he does not need their support because the Senate parliamentarian has approved additional rounds of budget reconciliation so if Republicans refuse to come along, he can pass them through easier compromise with more conservative Democrats, namely Cinema and Mansion. Now, we know what was in the American Rescue Plan. Uh, the points he touched on in his speech for the American Jobs Plan, 
uh, is basically he wants America to win the 21st century. Uh, and his some of the points include transportation, roads, bridges, highways, rail, transit, ports, airports, and clean water. And he tasked the vice president, Kamala Harris, with expanding high-speed Internet to all. And he will also shore up the power grid and make it clean and sustainable. He wants to fund child care and elder care. And, of course, he means to address the climate crisis with green infrastructure and jobs. Biden also wants American tax dollars to be paying for American-made products, saying, for example, quote, there's no reason wind turbine blades can't be manufactured in Pittsburgh instead of Beijing. He also called the American Jobs Plan a blue-collar blueprint to build America and finished up that section of his speech by saying that we need to beat the autocrats because autocrats don't think democracies can can win, 20, win the 21st century because democracies take too long to get things done. You know, that's the, the bottleneck in Washington. And uh, that's why he's calling on Republicans to to come along for the ride. Or, again, we've got budget reconciliation and a couple, we've got a couple more to use this year. Thanks to the Senate parliamentarian approving that, we can go forward without them. He then shifted to the American Families Plan. And that would add four years of free education comprised of two years of pre-K and two years of community college for free. It also includes a family plan for quality, affordable child care, which uh, earned a fist bump from uh, Elizabeth Warren. And uh, he wants to extend the child tax credits that are currently in the American Rescue Plan, though they're temporary. And he wants to extend those through at least 2025, along with he wants to make permanent the expansion of the Affordable Care Act subsidies that were in the the, uh, American Rescue Plan. Then Biden talked about how to pay for all of it, though most of it pays for itself in additional tax revenue. Uh, but he promised not to raise taxes on anyone making less than 400000 a year. He plans to uh, close corporate tax loopholes, curb overseas tax shelters, and uh, wants to raise the top tax bracket to 39.6%, which is a Bush-era rate. It's, it's not even close to being the highest tax rate. Um, he, he covered a lot more in, in this speech, a ton of stuff, including immigration, H.R. 1, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, international human rights, ending the war in Afghanistan, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. He called on Congress to do that. He called on Congress to pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, the Equality Act, the Violence Against Women Act, Common Sense Gun Reform, closing the boyfriend loophole, ghost guns that he did himself through executive order, and of course banning high-capacity magazines and assault rifles, and then also universal background checks. Uh, He wants to make DACA permanent, and he wants to pass the Protect the Right to Organize Act, or the PRO Act, and he also addressed the insurrection and autocracy. Autocracy came up quite a few times in this speech. Some of my takeaways from this, I felt like his anecdotes were genuine. We've, we've always heard presidents give their speeches to Congress where they say, like the grandmother in Virginia who said her child couldn't get this, or the, the veteran's widow in, in Alabama who didn't get this, or I, I talked to this person and didn't get this. And every time I hear those anecdotes, I'm like, oh, these anecdotes. Um, And I always feel like I don't think that the president actually talked to these people. But when Joe said it, I believed it. You know, I I really it they didn't stand out to me as like, eh, you know, a little. I don't know, like using people. Uh, where where it, it, And it sort of seemed like that in the past, or less genuine. But, uh, you know, we know Joe Biden. He he calls people. He talks to them on the phone. He, he spends the time to discuss issues 
with families and, and real Americans. So that felt real genuine to me for the first time. And then, of course, he gave all the credit for everything that's been going on to the American people. He said, thanks to you, thanks to the American people for vaccines. Thanks to the American people for getting helping get this rescue plan passed. Thanks to the American people. He never once took credit himself. Uh, although he did say, um, well, actually, when he said we've created more jobs in the first 100 days than any other presidency on record, he said it's all thanks to you. So, I, you know, I, I was hard pressed to find an instance in this speech where he was taking credit for something. I alone can do it, that whole thing. It's just a very stark difference. So uh, wonderful speech, very high marks from everyone, and just an incredible vision to, to build back better, as he says. And I think that these three massive plans, $6 trillion, will do so much. And I, I, I honestly think that what, you know, what Biden calls uh, bottom up and middle out instead of trickle down is going to pay for itself in an educated electorate, uh, more people in the workforce, higher tax revenues, higher wages lead to higher tax revenues, higher education leads to higher tax revenues. Pre-K helps people achieve higher education and better better income. Higher incomes mean more tax revenues. I think this thing pays for itself. So deficit hawks take note. Also in the news, a Senate committee on Wednesday advanced Biden's nominees for the U.S. Postal Service, setting up a final confirmation vote in the full chamber. These are members of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. They approved three nominees for the Postal Service Board. Republican Rob Portman joined the Democrats. Um, and this is Anton Hajar, Amber McReynolds, and Ronald Stroman. And uh, the Senate panel also approved Kiran Ahuja to become the director of the Office of Personnel Management. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, please send me a correction. The, this is the only nominee of the four who was advanced in a strictly party line vote on Wednesday. And the former guy is one step closer to testifying in a New York lawsuit filed by a group of protesters who claim his bodyguards assaulted them in 2015. As the Daily Beast previously reported, the activists had gathered outside Trump Tower to protest the Republican candidate's derogatory comments about Mexican immigrants. On that September day, soon after the demonstrators assembled on Fifth Avenue outside the skyscraper, several members of Trump's security team allegedly violently attacked them and destroyed their protest banners before a crowd that included reporters. Uh, when he was the president, the former guy tried to quash a subpoena that would force him to testify at the civil trial in the Bronx and sit for a videotaped deposition beforehand. In 2019, his lawyers appealed a judge's order denying his request. And on Tuesday, the state appellate division dismissed his appeal as moot. Similarly, the state's highest court, the Court of Appeals, recently ruled that Summer Zervos's defamation suit against Trump could proceed because Trump is no longer the sitting president and the issues presented have become moot. In that case, Trump called Zervos, a, a former contestant in The Apprentice, a liar after she came forward in 2016 with allegations he groped her and kissed her without her consent. Uh, and the Supreme Court on Thursday sided with an undocumented Guatemalan immigrant seeking to challenge his removal from the United States by immigration authorities. In a 6-3 decision authored by Neil Gorsuch, the court said the Justice Department was violating federal law by not providing immigrants it seeks to deport with single comprehensive notice to appear with details on the charges and a scheduled court appearance. Quote, if men must turn square corners when they deal with the government, it cannot be too much to expect the government to turn square corners when it deals with them. That's what Gorsuch wrote in an opinion joined by a remarkable alignment of justices, Clarence Thomas, Stephen Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, and the square corners doctrine, if that sounds familiar, it should, 
uh, it's the the doctrine of fairness and due process, and it's what Gorsuch was citing here, was penned by Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, who said in 1920 in a decision that a private company could not challenge its tax bill. In subsequent years, lower courts invoked similar language to describe government obligations to citizens. Justice I Like Beer Brett Kavanaugh penned his dissent and was joined by Chief Justice John Roberts and Samuel Alito. And from Politico, Andrei Artemenko, who uh, was in Rudy Giuliani's controversial Ukraine documentary and once tried to pitch the former guy administration on a plan for peace between Moscow and Kiev. Well, he says he's told the FBI what he knows about Rudy Giuliani. Artemenko is going to sound really familiar to a lot of Mueller She Wrote listeners and early Daily Beans listeners. He's a former Ukrainian parliamentarian. He told Politico that he shared what he knows about Rudy with federal investigators. He added that the FBI reached out to him last year and declined to share further details on his communications with law enforcement. Artemenko has uh, had a close-up view of Giuliani's work with Ukrainian officials and operatives. Um, activity, by the way, which appears to be a key focus of the FBI investigation into him. His comments about helping the FBI, Artemenko's, come as the Bureau has seized materials from Giuliani himself and from Victoria Tonsig, who also worked on the Ukraine project. Artemenko first drew major attention when the New York Times reported he gave the former guy's then-lawyer Michael Cohen a draft of the peace plan between Ukraine and Russia. We remember this. The plan reportedly would have leased Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula to Russia for up to 100 years. Ukraine's top prosecutor said the plan appeared to be treasonous, and in 2017, then-Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko stripped Artemenko of his citizenship. And leading up to Derek Chauvin's murder trial, Justice Department officials had spent months gathering evidence to indict the ex-Minneapolis police officer on federal police brutality charges, but they feared the publicity frenzy could disrupt the state's case, maybe taint the jury, right? So they came up with a plan. If Chauvin were found not guilty on all counts or the case ended in a mistrial, they would arrest him at the courthouse. That's according to sources familiar with the planning discussions. The backup plan would not be necessary, as we know. On April 20th, the jury found Chauvin guilty on all three murder and manslaughter counts, sending him to the state's most secure lockdown facility, prison, to await sentencing. Now, with Chauvin's state trial out of the way, federal prosecutors are moving forward with their case. They plan to ask a grand jury to indict Chauvin and the other three ex-officers involved in George Floyd's murder. Uh, that's Alexander Kung, Thomas Lane, and Tao Tao on charges of civil rights violations. And in a related story, the men who murdered Ahmaud Arbery have been indicted with federal hate crime, hate crime charges as well. Um, it's a, a an eight-count indictment of the three men, and um, so we're, we'll see what happens with, with that case as well. So department, there's a new sheriff in town. Merrick Garland isn't taking anybody's shit, so this is, I think this is really great news. Finally, after decades of failing to curb sexual assault in the armed forces, Lawmakers and Pentagon leaders are poised to make major changes in military laws that many experts have long argued stand in the way of justice. A bill championed by Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, Democrat of New York, would remove military commanders from their role in prosecuting service members for sexual assault and has gained support from scores of key members of Congress, among them Senator Joni Ernst, Republican of Iowa, a retired National Guard lieutenant colonel who said her own experience with assault and her daughter's stories from West Point helped shift her views on the issue. She says, I have been torn. On the one hand, I was a commander at the National Guard. I know how important that role is. But as a sexual assault survivor, I know we have to do more. I never really wanted to take this out of the chain of command, but we're not seeing any difference. Uh, Ms. Ernst nod on a new bipartisan measure is likely to attract several other key lawmakers whose combined support could usher in the biggest change to military rules since the repeal 
of the ban of service uh, by gays and lesbians in 2010. Other senators, many of whom voted against this measure in the past, and I know because I was part of that push, (laughs) um, had said in interviews that they had waited long enough for the military to solve the problem and agreed that Congress should step in. So they had a chance to fix it many years ago. Republicans did. They said, let's give the military a chance to fix it. They haven't. Thousands and thousands of more have been sexually assaulted. Now they're ready to go. Fucking hate this reactionary politicking. Uh, Adding to the momentum, a panel appointed by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has made a similar recommendation, saying that the independent judge advocates should take over the role that commanders currently play. These independent military lawyers should report to special victims prosecutor who would decide whether to court-martial those accused of sexual assault, sexual harassment, or domestic violence. The responsibilities could also extend to those accused of hate crimes. This change would require an act of Congress. And while Mr. Austin, Lloyd Austin, has said he wants service chiefs to review the recommendations, he's made clear that he's open to such a change, Um, as has Kathleen Hicks, the deputy defense secretary, the first woman to serve as the number two role in the Pentagon. A report out of Fort Hood, Texas last year that detailed a culture of harassment and abuse has further cemented views at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill that broad changes are needed. The effort reflects uh, generational changes in the armed services, with younger members speaking out more forcefully about the issues. Just as important are the shifting views among lawmakers who are tired of ugly stories about assault, of uh, the assault of women in the military and the arrival of a defense secretary who's eager to assert his influence on an issue that vexed him during his years as an army general. And as you know, I, I reported that this was one of the first things that he called out that, for the commission to look into this. Quote, the tide has turned, said Eugene Fidel, a senior research scholar at Yale Law School and an expert on military law. Where the Department of Defense can be the most useful and constructive now is helping shape the change. So uh, I'm sure, as you all know, I appeared in the 2012 Oscar-nominated documentary, The Invisible War. I am a survivor of military sexual trauma. I am a disabled veteran because of it. And I, we pushed so hard to get them to take commanders out of the chain of command. And this is what's not in the story that you might, you know, I, hopefully I can help you understand this, is that the reason they want to take commanders out of the chain of command is because commanders have a vested interest in how many rapes and sexual assaults occur in their command. Um, it, it's, they can get in trouble for having too many sexual assaults in their, you know, uh, in, in their command. And so they tend to brush it under the rug, Right. They tend to not prosecute because they don't want a bunch of criminals having come up from their command. They're the commanding officer. And, um, you know, the the old school thinking is it reflects poorly on them. And it kind of does, uh, if I'm being honest. And so we've been trying to get the commanders out of there and have some civilian judicial task force be the ones who decide whether these are going to be prosecuted or not. And that is what this law that Joni Ernston and Kirsten Gillibrand are working on. Kirsten Gillibrand's been working on it for almost a decade, a very long time. As, as soon as the, the Invisible War came out, um, we, we started pushing really hard on this issue to, to get the commanders taken out of the decision to prosecute sexual assault and rape in the military. So this is um, an issue that's very close to my heart. It is one of the reasons I decided to work for the federal government in the first place for the Department of Veterans Affairs so that I could assure, help assure that if what happened to me happened to other people, that they got the health care and mental health care that they needed um, to, to, to cope with and, and deal with the trauma. It's, it's very difficult, and uh, I know that there's a lot of people out there that can relate. So I appreciate this very much. Uh, I'm not a Joni Ernst fan, but I do appreciate that she's coming along on this one. 
uh, and I'm only sorry that it took uh, this long for for Republicans to get on board. And, and this whole wait and see attitude, it, it, it doesn't just apply here. It applies everywhere. We need to pass the uh, Justice and Policing Act, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We can't keep let it get let it go for another ten years and have another a couple thousand people murdered uh, in order to take action. We can prevent it. It needs to be preventive, not reactive. And um, but here we are, and uh, hopefully it's a new day. Everybody, we'll be right back. Uh, we're going to talk with Olivia Troy about her awesome new Republican Accountability Project and the GOP Democracy Scorecard. You do, you, you do not want to miss this conversation. It's really amazing. And this is an incredible tool for voters to use and people who are politically active. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this episode of The Beans is brought to you by Policy Genius. April is over. And if you're still feeling, you know, productive after submitting your taxes, which you actually didn't have to do this April. So maybe you're feeling unproductive, but take the, you know, let's get life insurance done too. Let's do that. And Policy Genius makes it quick and easy. They make it easy to get life insurance done and done right, I should say. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place so you can get the best deal. You can save 50% or more. That's $1,300 or more every year on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. The great thing is that a licensed expert at Policy Genius will work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them. They're not going to be pushy. And that kind of service earned Policy Genius a five star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, Policy Genius isn't done. They'll handle all the paperwork and scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and Policy Genius doesn't add fees. So what are you waiting for? Get a head start on your to-do list, save some time and money, and head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by a former senior advisor to Department of Homeland Security and the COVID Task Force, Olivia Troy. Olivia, it's great to have you back. It's good to see you. How have you been? Hey, Allison. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. Uh, I, I, I heard that uh, you've been, you're, you're vaccinated now. So what's it like to go from the former guy's COVID task force to being fully vaccinated? It must be awesome. It's a huge milestone. Um I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, I, I still get emotional about it. I, I just think about everything that's happened over the past year and what people have lived through. And I'm just grateful that we are finally making strides and moving forward. Um, and that people, you know, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to take my mom back to Texas and she'll be able to see family soon. And it's just been a long journey. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely has. And I'm, I am I was emotional when I got my my shots and, and I'm going to get to see my mom this weekend for the first time in over a year. And I know that that's going to I'm probably going to there'll be something in my eye. Oh, that just made me my heart. <laughs> I know I haven't seen her in so long. Uh, but what I wanted to talk to you about today, oddly enough, is your Republican accountability project. And I think that this is uh, so important because you know, we've been talking, you and I have talked about this, I've, we've talked about this on our show, that it's so important to hold them accountable. Otherwise, there will be no deterrent for the next person who wants to try the same shenanigans. So can you tell us a little bit 
about the Republican Accountability Project and why you launched it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's important um, when people start to revise history for themselves and try to brush things under the rug, which we're seeing a lot happen on the Republican side of the House right now. I think it's important for people to remember and have a reminder to the voters of what's really happened here. Um, So that's partially why we launched the Republican Accountability Project. We launched it after January 6th and everything that happened that day in an effort to, one, support uh, the Republicans that voted to convict and impeach Trump and took a stand um, for our democracy, and then twofold to really call out uh, the rest of the Republicans who were basically enabling this entire situation. Um, And, you know, with the stop the steal narrative, with the big lie, um, Trump didn't do this by himself. And he had a whole group of people who let us all down the path to that moment. And a lot of these people sit in an elected office today. Yeah. And now because of that big lie, we've got uh, 40 states, I think, with over 250 voter suppression bills in the, in the works uh, to try to limit uh, people's ability to vote, take away people's, you know, Im- imperil people's inherent right to vote. I mean, that is one of the most important parts of our democracy that all came out of that big lie. And then, you know, we saw the I don't know if you saw the the Officer Fantone uh, interview or the or the new Officer Sicknick uh, video, but just the how how much it hurts those Capitol Police, um, how it impacts their mental health to have these Republicans continue to deny or even try to make, you know, to participate in revisionist history about the insurrection. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. I watched that interview and it made me um, it made me emotional. And it honestly, it made me it infuriated me because it just made me so mad that this is, you know, for a while, this was a party of, of Trumpism and Trump and and these Republicans uh, uh, back the blue in that narrative, right? And then you, it gets down to January 6th and to watch those images of law enforcement and what was happening that day and then to hear him, the PTSD that he's suffering from and just everything. And then to hear him acknowledge, yeah, that it is hurtful him for him to hear the, the hugs and kisses claims that they were doing to the cops that Trump claimed and others. It's painful for them. And I think he's absolutely right to be upset about that. Uh, you know, these people stood there and, and tried to defend the Capitol when they were overwhelmed by an angry mob that was dangerous, that put everyone's lives at risk. And and to have elected officials sort of pretend that it never really happened and it didn't happen the way we all saw it happened is is shameful. Yeah. And that narrative that he gave in that interview about, you know, having been pulled out of the tunnel uh, and being pulled down into the crowd, and he likened it to being, you know, in the ocean with an under, you know, an undertow, and you you just can't get your bearings, and having to choose between, you know, people trying to take his gun, and and I, it, you know, I was really sort of taken by his description of trying to, in that moment, in the seconds when you think you're going to die, make the conscious decision not to use deadly force because you are just going to inflame the crowd and endanger your brothers and sisters on the force um, was just, I don't even know how, I mean, I, I, it's just unimaginable. And then you, you're right to see some of these Republicans, Ron Johnson, I think, described it as jovial, a festival-like atmosphere. And it's so sickening. You have people doing selfless acts of bravery and you have elected officials sitting in office talking about this like it was a party. Right. I mean, it's just when it was a flat out insurrection and 
just a complete attempt to undermine our democracy. And what did you think of Biden's comments on it uh, last night? He, he, he referenced the insurrection quite a few times and uh, at one point saying it's, it's the uh, worst attack on democracy, on the seat of democracy since the, uh, since the Civil War, I, yep. I believe he said. Um, uh, and, you know, that sort of brought back the images of the, the insurrectionist parading the Confederate flag through the rotunda, which has never happened before. I know he's been indicted and he's being charged, but just the just the they're trying to make us forget. And it's it's you're right. It's it's absolutely infuriating. And and, and we just have to keep pushing back. Right. Yeah, and I'm glad he mentioned it during the address, because it's something you know I think that going forward, as we see a lot of these elected officials kind of spin the narrative, um, they're going to be running for reelection. And. I think, you know, actions have consequences. And a lot of these people are going to jail that were there that day. But the truth is there were a lot of people sitting in that Capitol under attack by that angry mob who were part of this entire thing, who have gotten away basically scot-free. You know, they have, they've, they've, nothing has happened to them. There's been no accountability. Uh, You know, I've been a signatory to asking for a bipartisan commission on what happened there for national security reasons, because I do believe that we need to figure out exactly what happened so that it never happens again. Uh, And I just think that um, the behavior of a lot of these individuals is irresponsible. And it just shows how unfit a lot of these people are for office. It's it's selfish behavior. It's very narrow-minded. And it it really just speaks a lot to their character in terms of um, where they're willing to draw the line and their, I would say, the lack of integrity, right, on the oath that they've taken. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've been asking, right, for four years, where, where, what's the line? What is the line they will not cross? And I think that we found out on January 6th that there is no line. Um, and and I, 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 that's why I'm so glad that you've launched this Republican accountability project, because we're still waiting for this uh, insurrection commission, this bipartisan or nonpartisan insurrection commission to be formed. The Republicans are stalling. They want to include a look at, uh, you know, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests and Antifa as part of as part of a, a deep dive into what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, uh, like like it's it's the same it's that both sides thing that you know there's fine people on both sides situation we're right back to charlottesville and the gaslighting is just immense and 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 unforgivable in my opinion yeah they're trying to complete the narrative and i just think that it really just needs to be scoped on january 6th what led up to it and how this all Play, but plays out. Yeah, I, w- I would like a I would like a special counsel <laughs> to, to look into it myself. Uh, but I think people are kind of tired of special counsels these days. But uh, I tell you what, I want to ask you now about your GOP democracy report card, and I think that this is absolutely uh, in, uh, just a fantastic look at who is kind of doing what in these spaces in in these in these revisionist history spaces. But I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Yes, of course. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Upstart. 
Do you dread looking at your credit card statement every month? Oh, I hated it. I hated being in credit card debt. It was just this cloud that hung over my head. I don't blame you if you hate looking at that statement. But Upstart can lift that weight off your shoulders, and they can finally feel the relief of being free of credit card debt. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether you're paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. They look at your income and your employment history. You're more than just a number. So they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. So a five-minute online rate check, you can check your rate for loans uh, up front. And you can get a loan between $1,000 to $50,000. And you can receive your funds as fast as one business day after your loan is accepted. After this past year, I know a lot of people were living off their credit cards and struggling. So this can really help. Check out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. Go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Don't forget to use this URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, that's upstart.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to uh, former senior advisor for Department of Homeland Security, Olivia Troy, who has founded the Republican Accountability Project. We talked a little bit about that in the first segment. And now I want to get to, because this is like rubbing my hands together, this GOP democracy report card. Tell us a little bit about the structure of that and what what it does. Yeah, we basically uh, did a review of all of the Republican members of Congress, senators and in the House of Representatives. And we basically rated them on four criteria. It was one, did they sign on to the amicus brief filed um, in Texas, the lawsuit to the Supreme Court meant to nullify the votes cast of Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. Remember that whole <laughs> antic? That was led, led, by, uh, led by Governor Abbott, if I remember correctly, in Texas. Yeah, from my home state of Texas and Ken Paxton and, and that whole charade. Uh, and then the second criteria was, whether they objected to the certification of the electoral college votes. And thirdly, did they make public statements casting doubt on the legitimacy of the 2020 election, uh, therefore undermining our democracy, undermining what the voters uh, were thinking in terms of election integrity when it came down to this election? And then also, did they vote to convict uh, uh, Trump during the impeachment proceedings this past January? And uh, what'd you come up with? <laughs> because, I mean, we're talking about 535 people, yeah. right? Well, outlook is dismal, I would say. It's it's not looking good. Uh, I think we more than 128 members of the House and then eight senators received failing scores, Fs across the board, uh, which is pretty bad. And I think we only had 16 members of Congress that scored a, a grade of A, or A minus, uh, depending on whether you know they were on the Senate side and didn't sign on to the Amicus brief because it was a House thing. But um, it was pretty. It, it's a pretty sad picture that it paints uh, because I think like when it comes to our democracy, there's no wavering on it, right? It should be pretty black or white. Uh, there should be no negotiating on what's happening here. But the danger of it is just how dangerous these narratives can be and how pervasive they are. And that the fact that they're still lingering today, you know, we're watching this whole charade happen out in Arizona right now on this crazy um, vote count that's being done in just such a 
you know, I, I mean, this is just so far out there. It just frustrates me to talk about it. It's unbelievable that this is just where we are, but all of, all of this is part of it. And, and the democracy report card, I think sort of fits into that picture is just reminding people where their elected people stand on it. Um, I like it because you can look it up. You can, you can actually enter your address and you can, it'll pull up your district and where you live and it'll tell you exactly where they stand on those four areas. And, you know, it'll, you know, if there's a Democrat, it'll tell you, you know, it'll just say Democratic representative um, did not vote for any of these things, basically what it says. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a living, it's a living tool. So it'll, you know, there's always a chance that people may move up if they come forward and, you know, decide to own up to their actions or, or uh, you know, come forward with the truth. Um, there's also a chance that people will slide down on the scale based on their public statements and what they say. And we'll be definitely watching for that. But we just want it to be a reference tool um, for reporters, you know, voters, especially, and donors who are looking at what's happening here and a reminder uh, because, you know, we have a, unfortunately, I think voters sometimes have a short-term memory. I don't know that people have a short-term memory when it comes to this event, um, but you, uh, I can, we were certainly watching elected officials like you know, Representative McCarthy himself sort of give a different version of the events that he was described previously um, based on what's convenient at the time for them to say. And so I think, you know, this will be out there to remind people and also to kind of just keep tabs on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and talk about people moving up down, uh, up and down the scale. Had this report card been out on January 7th, we would have seen McCarthy go from an A to an F because he, his first statements were like, Trump's responsible for this. This is unholy. This is terrible. We were our seat of democracy was attacked, et cetera, et cetera. I'm paraphrasing. But, you know, and then he then he went down to Mar-a-Lago and had a little chat and then boom, comes back out. I think that's a it's infuriating, right? <laughs> it's infuriating to watch that action. I think you're absolutely right. And it was infuriating to watch those speeches, watch McCarthy, watch McConnell deliver that powerful speech that he gave that night where he was so angry and what he was saying and, and then kind of flip back on it. And, and by the way, for what Trump, you double down on McConnell. He continues to go after Pence. He did that in recent speeches. He does that in his comments still today. And so there's no loyalty there. So I don't understand why they continue to bow down to this or kiss the ring, right? So to speak, because, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. But they're going to continue to do it over and over again. So uh, if I, if I shout out some names, can you tell me their grades? Can try. (laughs) I know a lot of the bad apples. Yeah. Well, you'll probably know these ones off the top of your head. What, what did McConnell get? Uh, McConnell has a C, a C minus for mediocre. All right. Okay. And uh, McCarthy? He has enough. <laughs> and uh, Josh Hawley? Yeah, I was thinking about him last night, too, because I had this this kind of picture in my head of, you know, when when President Biden talked about um, the anti-Asian hate bill, right, and how everyone signs on to it except for one person. And I just had this image of Josh Hawley sitting in the corner with a dunce cap. Yeah. Right. That's what really came to mind. And I was just like, that's your legacy there. And then you just and then you just pull that dunce cap down a little bit and it becomes a very comfortable hood for him. Yep. Cut a little eye hole out there. One or two may have been thinking about that, too. But I'm thinking, yeah, that's the legacy of Josh Hawley. 
anti-democracy and pro-hate. Yeah, but, uh, he's an autocrat. He's he's that smarter Trump we're all I'm, I've been worried about this whole time, you know. Um, uh, Ted Cruz. S. Liz Cheney. She is an A. She got an A. All right. Uh, I've been really kind of I've just been proud of her standing up in the face of all of that, um, especially as the number three Republican. Um, what about um, Matt Gates? S. He's got an F. God, if we could go any lower, lower on the scale, we would. But <laughs> yeah, you didn't look at whether people are sex trafficking anything or anything. Else. Yeah, that's a, that would be a different report card. Now, is there somebody who got the absolute lowest, a senator and a House member who 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 got the absolute lowest score, or are there a lot of ties for lowest score? There's a lot of ties. <laughs> gonna be honest. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not surprised. Um, and tell everyone where they can find this, because I, like you said, this is an important tool for voters to go and you can find out who your congressperson is, who your senators are and see what their grades are on how they rank on basically how if they support democracy or not. Just fundamental democratic principles enshrined in our Constitution. What uh, where can everyone uh, go to, to use this tool? Sure. It's at uh, accountability. Dot GOP. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> URL. Congratulations on nabbing that one. Um, well, I, and one last question before you go, because you were a senior advisor at Department of Homeland Security. And, you you know, you briefly mentioned that, um, you know, when we have lawmakers that are anti-democratic or, you know, anti-constitution, anti-America, that really can negatively impact our national security. And, you know, th- this is this was your area of expertise. Can you tell us practically how, like, in practicability-wise, how, how it negatively impacts our national security? How, well, how does it make us vulnerable? Yeah, I think that goes, uh, that actually goes along with why I'm so passionate about the Republican Accountability Project, because to me, I see it from the broader perspective and, and strategic picture. And it really is just about the divisiveness that's happening in the country, the disinformation primarily is where it really comes into play is when you start to undermine things like our elections and you push false narratives, like the big lie where you're telling people that the election was stolen from them. And you have echo chambers, I would say on more far right media and right leaning uh, networks that are pushing these narratives, their voters, and you have elected officials that are telling their constituents, people listen to that and they act on it. Right. And so there's a whole population out there right now who do think that the election was stolen, who think that Biden is not the legitimate president of the country. And that opens us up to vulnerability for all sorts of reasons. It also opens us up to vulnerabilities really on social media um, from foreign adversaries, to be honest, that are stirring the pot. Right. That's kind of what, what where I was thinking that you sh- would would be going, because we just you know, we just reported yesterday on this 36 star memo that's been circling around uh, where the you know, the <laughs> the commanders in our military, the top brass are pretty much begging our, our spy chiefs to to release this information uh, and intelligence on Russia and China. And because of the sanctions that were just put in place um, and, and potentially more sanctions that are going to be put into place against Russia specifically, I'm talking about now, there were memos that went out from the intelligence agency saying you can expect some really strong retaliation to the to that 
uh, behavior in the next 12 to 18 months on social media with disinformation. And when we're so divided and people are writing revisionist history and spreading the big lie, people become a larger percentage of people, I feel, become more vulnerable to this this foreign disinformation where their whole goal is to make our make democracy look like a sham and and pump up autocracy and and be and break up NATO so they can invade Crimea. I mean, it's just it, the, it's massive, the national security threat. Yeah, it's dangerous. And it allows, uh, you know, the 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 problem is that it also allows for nefarious groups to recruit people. You know, they see the divisiveness and then unfortunately extremist groups recruit on social media and these platforms and they see uh, vulnerabilities and they and they use sort of this divisiveness. Um, so it's like, it's twofold, right? It's foreign adversaries that are stirring the pot trying to divide our country even more so um, because it plays in their favor. And then there's groups like domestic terror and domestic terrorist groups or extremist groups that are recruiting off of it by the, uh, based on these narratives. And it's dangerous. It, it contributes to the rise of domestic terrorism. It, it leads to hate crimes. It leads to all sorts of um, challenges that are just going to make it harder for us to overcome. And when it comes to disinformation, as you know, Allison, it's a, it's a major challenge. It, it's, it's very hard. Um, to put back in the box. Yeah, read those newly unredacted parts of Volume 1 of the Mueller Report, and you'll get a little taste of it. There's tons of more intel reports out there if you don't feel like talking about Mueller anymore. But uh, yeah, and I'm hoping that some of these plea agreements, or, you know, we only know about one now, but I think there's more in, in the in the pipeline, in the investigation into the insurrection with the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. These, I'm hoping these plea agreements... Uh, in these plea agreements that our intelligence agencies really use that information to, to find out how these groups are funded, how they recruit, uh, you know, how and because it is it's the number one threat uh, in America's domestic violent extremism. And I know I'm glad that Biden's got a group um, headed up by, I believe, Josh Geltzer, uh, somebody we've had on the show before. It's great. <laughs> to try to uh, to try to assess the threat. And so we're, we're taking steps, but we're it's like Sisyphus going up against these Republicans. So thank you for for uh, for creating this. You can see everyone, the GOP Democracy Report card at accountability.gop. And uh, Olivia Troy, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Uh, we would love to have you back to see how this kind of changes and morphs with uh, with new declarations or withdrawals. We'll see what happens. But uh, we're all going to vote in 2022. So um <laughs> I think that that's uh, another great part of accountability, and this is a great tool for voters. So thank you very much, everybody. We'll be right back. Stick around for the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG from The Beans. Ah, Mother's Day is right around the corner. Ah, Mother's Day, it always sneaks up on me, even though it's every May. I'm not sure why it sneaks up on me, but... I need to get a gift, and I have found the perfect gift at Pandora Jewelry. Mothers are so important. My mom, I love my mom. I haven't seen her in a year. I get to see her this weekend. I get to hug her for the first time. And so I got her this incredible gift. Um, I got her uh, this really beautiful uh, family tree thing and a copy of Shel Silverstein's Giving Tree, and I'm going to give it to her, and she's going to love it. Um, I, th- I know she's going to love it. And each piece of Pandora Jewelry is just gorgeous. It's high quality. 
It's so simple and elegant. It's a perfect gift. It's meant to last. It'll be kept forever. And this season, Pandora has gifts for every mom with new designs in their collection of contemporary classics. Jewelry can be customized to fit all styles and personalities. You can curate your own luminous looks with their Pandora Rose collection, which is gorgeous. Or check out some of their bestsellers, like the Princess Wishbone Ring. Express a connection that's stronger than words with symbols of love and gratitude. Shop safely in-store with Pandora's styling experts to find the perfect gift for any mom on your list. Buy online with in-store pickup and curbside pickup at select locations. Please contact your local store to learn more. And thank the mom in your life, or the moms in your life, for always being there with a sparkling gift from Pandora Jewelry. Go to us.pandora.net slash dailybeans to start shopping or find a store near you. Please, again, that's us.pandora.net slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And it's Friday. That means we're joined by Amy Carrero. Amy, how's it going? Hi. It's the last day of April, like you said. I can't believe it. Like, where's the time gone? I know, in my house, just sitting alone at home. Right. Last year, by April 30th, it was just like March 3rd. So <laughs> I'm I'm very happy about this. I know. I know. It's going so fast. But here we are, and I'm looking forward to the summer. It seems like little by little, good stuff's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, with that Biden speech last night, we've got a lot to look forward to. So yes. yeah, I think things are going well. There's, there's, I think the light at the end of the tunnel is much closer than it was 100 days ago. So I'm very, very optimistic about Amen. the future but me too speaking of, of optimism and good news we have our listeners submitted good news and confessions and corrections and games that we play and everybody if you have anything you want to submit you can do that by going to our website dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact and all the information about how to submit will be there and uh this is i absolutely this is my favorite part of the show everybody knows mm. that and this is the one that's kicking us off into our final weekend uh, in April, and uh, I'm 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 super stoked. So let's get started. I'll just kick it off with uh, this submission from Mike. Pronouns he and him. This is a correction. Okay. okay. So Mike says, "I've been a listener from the kitchen table days and appreciate everything you amazing ladies have done and continue to do. I wanted to submit a correction with regards to Andrew Brown. Pascatank County is pronounced Pasquatank." Oh. I went to college in Elizabeth City years ago. Haven't gone back since the day I graduated and can confirm it's very much a good old boys type of an area. So uh, how dickish the public officials are being is not shocking. Okay, Pasquatank. Uh, despite the previously mentioned mispronunciation, I do appreciate that both AG and Frank, sorry, Dana, I've never heard Amy uh, pronounce my hometown correctly. Saying it phonetically would be... Uh, it would be Norfolk, but it's actually pronounced Norfolk, Norfolk which <laughs> may tell you a little bit about those of us who live there. I know that. Yay. Woohoo. Oh, that's why. Because A.G. and Frank Fergluzzi pronounce it properly, but Dana does not. And you've never heard Amy say it. But now, Amy, well, you know. I'm going to say it. Pasquatank. Pasquatank. <laughs> Pasquatank and Norfolk. Norfolk. Uh yeah, us Navy people are really familiar with how Norfolk is pronounced. Uh, keep up the phenomenal work. Congratulations on the new network. I can't wait to see what you and an all-star group of hosts joining can do together to make this an even better community. For Pod Pet Tax, I've attached two pictures of our two Roddies. The younger one, Jax, is a pain in the ass, but also <laughs> loves to put his cute face 
put his cute face on and cuddle. The other is our old man, Samson, who turns 13. That's well, that's a good run for a big dog like a Roddy. And he turns 13 in a few weeks. I've never met a dog with such an amazing personality. It's hard to put into words. He's just a goddamn national treasure. Aww. All right, so there's... Oh wow 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 wow! I love Roddies. They're such sweet dogs. I know. Aww. Remember, remember when, like in the '90s, they got like a real bad reputation for a while. Like it was the scary dog that all the evil villains had in the movies. Yep, yep. I do remember. Well, I'm glad we've I'm glad we've turned that page of dark dark history. Yes. Um, and now we're back to thinking they're cute. Okay. <laughs> next up, we've got Philip. Pronouns, he, him. Hello, Beans Queens. Good news. After not being in another room with another person since last March, other than to be vaccinated, I'll be seeing my academic department at work later today. Mm-hmm. It will be bittersweet. We're wishing a happy retirement to our longest serving adjuncts, but I'm still so nervous. Uh, but I'm still so nervous yet excited to be able to see people in person again. We'll all be socially distanced and masked as well as vaccinated, but it should be wonderful. No pod pet, sadly, but I do want to thank you for all us. Uh, I want to thank you all for some good news that you gave me and I'm going to pass along to others. One of the things students always seemed obsessed in with about with my introduction to criminal justice courses is the FBI. After hearing the interview about MSW Media putting out the Bureau with Frank Figluzzi late next month, my next thought at the description of it was, this is perfect, I have to tell my kids. Oh, I have to tell all the folks from my doctoral program too. Their students will love it. So thank you all so much. For the upcoming podcast series as well, this semester will end before May 25th, but starting with summer semester, I'm more certain, uh, I'm certain more than a few eager undergrads will be tuning in. Thanks again. Wow, Amy, for all that you do. (laughs) I I sort of read for a living, so this is not good. Uh, My therapist thinks (laughs) dropping my doom surfing and listening to the Daily Beans is one of the best things I've done for my mental health. Woohoo! I hope AG's visit with her mom goes well after so long apart and that this podcast continues to help so many people. Ah, thanks, Philip. Thank you so much. And yeah, this is a real, I've heard some of these episodes come that are going to be coming out uh, on, from the Bureau, from Frank. They're really good, uh, I have to say. Ooh, I can't wait. Can we have David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson just guest star on Frank's podcast? Because I feel like... <laughs> I, I'm just I, that's I just need that. I, I feel like that will really make up for 2020. That's just like the final the final little cherry on top. I'm just saying I'm just putting it out there, Frank, if you're listening, Jillian and David, if you're listening, please go on his podcast. Thanks. Yeah, or if we could get Mary Gross from that old movie, The Feds uh, yeah. from the 80s, that'd be outstanding too. Listen, any anybody who played an FBI agent is welcome. <laughs> Clary Starling, would yes. Be good. All right, next up from Kaylin, pronoun she and her. Good news. I really pro- I promise it's good news. But first, you asked if anyone had any game ideas. As someone with an almost black cat, unless she's in the middle of a white room, many photos of her, we have to play Where is the Cat? <laughs> I included three photos. In one, she's pretty easy to find. But in the other two, she's with her brother, who's passed away now. Uh, due to his size, sometimes takes over the focal point of many photos. Oh, he's a chunker. The good news is that the hubby got his first Fauci ouchie. So outside of the kiddos, there are only... Three people left before we can have a family dinner. Cool. Yay, congratulations. All right, let's play let's play Find the Cat. Find the Cat is a fun game. You mean find the almost black cat because I see a cat in the first picture, 
But then if I look real closely, there may be a cat right behind the first cat. <laughs> yep. And then the cat in the second picture, I it took me a minute, but I found the cat. Yep. There he is. And then, oh, the, the third, third one, one you can see. That's no, pretty just cute. The cutest. I love that. Yeah. So if anybody want to play Find My Cat, <laughs> uh, this is also good if you have a cat in a Christmas tree that we have to find. Yes. Or, you know, just a picture of the room. Where's the cat? I love playing find the cat. So if you have any find the cat photos, please feel free to send them in. I would love to play this game. I love finding the cat. You know what? That's amazing. And I will submit my photos of find my keys because they're always missing. So that's another, that's a twit. That's a spinoff of find my cat. Find my keys. Uh, That's good. Would be good. Okay, next up, we got Tom, pronouns, he, him. Hello, lovely beans queens. Yesterday, Thursday, was two weeks post-second shot. Looking forward to hugging my family and friends. Mom's two weeks is Wednesday, so the reason I was able to get the shot earlier than my age allowed... Uh, in 2019, I was diagnosed with low-level prostate cancer, three on the Gleason scale for those keeping score. Since it was low... Uh, they do what is called active watching, and I go back every three months. After a year, they did an MRI, and there was no sign of cancer. Woo-woo! But I did no chemo or radiation. As soon as I found out, I completely changed my diet and started doing Jinshin uh, Jiutsu self-help. It's an ancient Japanese healing art. By the way, I probably did mispronounce that, so please let me know. Uh, when I am not in the bee control room of one of the fake news evening uh, news evening news programs i am a jsj practitioner i credit most of my reversal to it although i did lose 40 pounds and that helped tremendously so i thought i would have to wait till my age group came up then i found out anyone with cancer or in remission was eligible since i work in a room with so many others i thought i should take advantage of that so uh, so misheard lyric, oh, I guess we're switching topics. Okay, here we go. Uh, so misheard lyric <laughs> was from a co-worker many years ago. Most of the people in the office were, uh, out shooting a commercial. Okay, okay, he's in production, folks. Um, there were just three of us, so we turned up the radio. Deep Purple came on, and we started all singing. Suddenly, Mike and I looked at each other, then asked Don, WTH, did you, what did you just, what the hell did you just sing? He said, my woman is okay, oh, instead of from Tokyo. <laughs> my woman is okay, oh. My woman is okay, oh. <laughs> That's pretty fray. That's pretty fucking funny. Uh, once, I took him into a store. I heard a song playing, and since I was trying to teach him good music, I asked him which band was playing. He thought for a second and said, booty and the hoefish. <laughs> <laughs> and when I stopped laughing, I said, close enough. I'm an Irish twin, 51 weeks younger than my brother. I'm also one of six. Whoa. 11 years between the oldest and the youngest. When people uh, asked if I ask if I'm an Irish twin, my parents played Vatican roulette and lost. <laughs> I get it. Uh, for my pet, pet tax, since I live in an apartment... I know no pet apartment. I'm sending you a picture of our first dog. That's me making the face in the awful ascot my father made us wear. <laughs> my twin doesn't seem to mind. Uh, here's a possible game. Guess the year of this picture. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Don't scroll down to get the answer I'm not going to scroll down. I'm looking. This looks like... Okay. Should we say it at the same time? This to me looks like... Well, we can guess at separate times. This okay. to me looks like 1977 or six. Oh, I, seven. okay. 1977. I was going to say like 1971 or 1972. Oh, you're closer. It is 1969. Well done, Amy. 
Hey, but they, these kids were pretty fashionable, I have to say. So <laughs> it's a cute, I love these bowl haircuts. I know it's so good, and and also my parents. Every picture of their apartment before 1992 had that exact chair in the back and that exact pillow. So <laughs> the rocking chair you know, with the pillow. We were both pretty close. Yeah, and and along the lines of booty and the hoe fish, I remember uh, when I was 16 or something like that. I asked my mom when she was out if she could drop by Stinkweed's Records and pick me up a tape, a cassette tape. Um, and uh, and she said, of course. And so then she came home and she didn't have the tape. And I said, well, where's my tape? Where's my oh, tape? No. And she goes, well, they didn't have Eco and the Bunny People. Oh. And uh, I was very upset that I did not get to listen to my Echo and the Bunnyman tape that day. Um <laughs> Eco and the Bunny People. That's very Thanks, good. Mom. That's very good. Uh, next up from Vic, pronouns she and her. Hey there, ladies. Uh, I've got a mashup of things to report as good news, some fun curses to share, and a what the mutt for AG and Amy. First, let's start with the plethora of good news. Today is the day I hit two weeks post-COVID shot, my second shot. My girlfriend and I both went and got our shots together. She's very close to her parents, and both she and her mother are immunocompromised. So COVID has been tough for them and not to be close to each other. Today is the day she will finally get to hug her parents for the first time in over a year. I'm super happy for her, and I'm overjoyed to finally be at Freedom Day. I know the world isn't back to normal yet, and we should still be very cautious, but just to know that we're moving in the right direction fills me with immense joy. Second bit of good news, I quit my job this month. I decided it was time to focus on me, my health, and my happiness. Lots of things had recently changed at my job due to a massive restructure that happened in October, and I found myself extremely unhappy. I just kept getting worse and worse, and no one seemed to have any answers for me. So, with the support of my girlfriend, I decided to quit. Best decision of my life. I couldn't have come to the decision to bite the bullet and actually do it without my amazing supportive girlfriend. She really is the best. I've been able to get back into the gym with a trainer to help guide and focus, guide me and focus on being more healthy and fit. I feel so much better mentally and physically. I'm seeing results of the gym. I couldn't be more happy about it. Next bit of good news is uh, that the opportunity to go into business with my brother presented itself right after I quit my job. It's kind of funny how timing just works out. Uh, It's been his lifelong dream to open a restaurant. There's a new restaurant concept coming to my city that I came across, and my girlfriend and I thought it would be perfect for him, so she sent him the info on it. I've been trying to get him to move here for years. He took the info and ran with it. Uh, Then, as things would happen, the person he was supposed to start the business with backed out on him. I really believe in his concept, and I know he's got an awesome work ethic. So, to top it all off, the food is to die for. So I pitched him on it. And he agreed for us to go into this venture together. So my brother's moving here, and I get to be part of helping his lifelong dream come true. We opened up shop this summer, and we've been getting an amazing response from our community via all the social media channels. We've had a couple of news articles printed about us, and people are actually excited to, for us to open up. Our local community here has been super supportive. We couldn't be happier about opening up here. We're truly humbled by the overwhelmingly positive responses that we've received so far. We're doing a Korean fusion restaurant Yum. as an homage to our childhood. Ooh. Our mother was from South Korea. So if you're ever in Knoxville, Tennessee, come check us out. I would be ecstatic if I actually ever got to meet you awesome ladies and feed you delicious food at Soul Brothers. S-E-O-U-L. Soul Ooh, Brothers. That sounds good. We're going to have to go down to Knoxville. Yeah. Anybody in Knoxville, go to Soul Brothers. Say, I'm part of the Leguminati and see, you know, <laughs> just see what happens. Now, on from good news to swears. Swears are an art form. I find it a joy when I hear a swear that makes me giggle. Here's a few that I've heard over the years that have stuck with me. Christ on a bike, (laughs) boo damn it on a cracker, and fuckity fuck stick. 
That last one makes me laugh every time my friend says it. Last but not least, let's play What the Mutt. I wrote a few months back about a pup that my girlfriend and I adopted that we named Adora oh, after right. Amy's Shira. Oh. Mm-hmm. She's definitely a mixed breed pup, so we could uh, and we could tell one of the breeds for sure, but we were super curious about what she was mixed with. So we ordered a DNA test kit. See below uh, okay. of our sweet baby Adora and uh, a pick and her DNA results. Can you guess her breed? I never would have guessed some of the things that popped up on her results. My dad always starts out with a great new routine of working out and daily beans in the morning. My day, not my dad. <laughs> we're we're so thrilled turn. for your dad. We're so thrilled for him. <laughs> My day always starts with a great my new routine of working out and daily beans in the morning. Keep the news with swears coming. It helps me through my cardio. I hope you ladies have a fantastic day. Look at this baby. <gasps> okay, that's definitely that's a husky. That's a husky for sure. And then wolf. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to guess just some breeds here that I see pop up a lot. Of course, the chow chow, right? Because those everybody, guys get every, around. Everybody has a chow chow. Um, but also looks like it's got some sort of a, a skinny dog, like a whippet. Or a, oh yeah 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 a greyhound you know what I mean yeah it yeah it almost looks like a jackal is that weird is that a, is even a dog I don't know it's so he's so pretty it's um gorgeous. the eyes oh mm-hmm. the, I love the natural eyeliner uh and and let's see what else should we throw um like uh let's see there's more pictures here a little tan something tan maybe we throw like a shepherd oh god i'm so bad at this for sure husky i'm like i'm definitely and then the chow chow because it's in everything all right and i'm gonna go with black mouth cur okay here we go all right let's see what we got husky eskimo cocker spaniel chow chow Yes, (laughs) the chow chow made it in every dog's a little bit chow chow always every time so awesome we got the husky and the chow chow and then super mutt yeah super mutt what is a super mutt that's just like i mean super sperm too many breeds to work up into one solid breed okay okay hey that's a pretty you i mean we got 50 percent, and then you okay so we both got 50 percent. you got 58 percent so that's saying something. Ooh, awesome. Yeah, I missed Eskimo Dog and Cocker Spaniel. I was I thought that there would Cocker Spaniel. What? All right. Yeah, weird. Um, but Eskimo Dog makes sense. But anyway, those are our submissions for today. If you have anything you want to send in to us. Uh, uh, by the way, Amy, I love that they named that dog Adora. That's so, so cool. I know, man. It's so cool. I've said it never gets old. Anybody, anybody, Shira, anything, always instant smile. Yeah, I love when people sh- like send you photos of tattoos they've gotten, you know. Oh, man. It's so cool. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, anything you want to submit, Amy's here on Friday. She, we also do Amy's Court. If you have a dispute you need to settle with a, another human or perhaps a pet. Uh, uh, just send it in um, and, and Amy will decide it because she is magnanimous <laughs> and then uh, you know all the games we play and now where's the cat find the cat I love this new game I love where's the cat find the cat <laughs> it's fun uh, but you can send it all in by going to our website dailybeanspod.com clicking on contact and that's how you do it Amy do you have anything you want to tell everybody before we get out of here for the weekend oh I hope you have a great weekend and thanks for putting up my terrible reading today and uh what else what else oh Jillian David if you're listening call me (laughs) all right then (laughs) can you tell like the x-files was like my favorite (laughs) oh this was an x-files callback this was absolutely like I have been thinking about it since I said it you guys (laughs) I you know what 
those so everyone's like who is your first tv crush i'm like jillian anderson and then a close second was david duchovny so y'all just saying make a girl's wish come true yeah i thought you meant something totally different i'm like are you answering a personal ad what's going on (laughs) okay no jillian david anderson Uh, please, Anderson and Duchovny. Whoever I whoever I ran into on the at the grocery store called me. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, everybody have a great weekend. And until we speak again, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. Oh my God, AG, I, so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog died dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with appliques on it. You're like, what? Keeps the rain like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves. The waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? Was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! Uh, the best I, can I, lo- get I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.